Welcome to A Better Way podcast, dedicated to mompreneurs who want to do good and feel good at work, at home, and in life. We're your hosts, Courtney and Danielle, and we get the challenges you're facing because we're living them too. We'll share tangible tips we've learned along the way to help make your life a little easier and we hope a lot more fun. We'll also chat with other moms who are making it happen so we can learn from one another because together we can find a better way. Welcome back to another episode of A Better Way. Courtney and I are here. It's a Friday and we have both had a week. So we are going to talk about how to manage your business and your life when you have a million things going on. And we're going to talk about the the unique challenge. That's funny. Uh, We're going to talk about how most clients think that they're unique and how we know from working with so many of them that they all really have the same problems and how that can be related to your business and growing your business. Because once you realize that too, you'll have an easier time growing your own business. So Courtney, let's dive in. Uh, Your son was exposed to COVID at school. So let's back up two weeks. Yeah. So I'm in a rare form today, ladies. Um, and gentlemen, if you're listening, but probably ladies. And I will start this episode by saying I may use explicit language. So I apologize if your kids are around, but it's just been one of, it's been two weeks actually. So last Friday, two Fridays ago, wait, two Fridays ago, two Fridays ago into Saturday, I woke up and had just like horrible, horrible breast pain. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I think I'm getting mastitis. And then sure enough, I got chills. I've never had it before. Went back to bed, woke up Saturday morning. I was like, okay, I can do this. This isn't bad. Called in a prescription with my doctor. Cause she confirmed it was probably mastitis by Saturday afternoon. I was down for the count for like two and a half full days. And then it took me the better part of a week to really recover. So I finally sat down at my desk on Tuesday um, to, of, you know, a week and a half ago to start work. And I get a call from the nurse's office at school that my son's classroom was exposed to a positive COVID case. So I needed to go pick him up and they would need to quarantine for a week and a half. So fast forward to this Monday, my husband leaves for a work trip for the entire week to Seattle. And I still have Declan home with me. Brian's at daycare. Um, Declan finally goes back to school Tuesday and then Wednesday's a teacher in service day. So he's home with me again. Um, and he's going to be home this Monday because of indigenous people's day. So needless to say, I feel a little bit like super mom, but I'm also feeling super exhausted and super annoyed with people because if my husband, if he's listening, I'm sorry, cause he does download our podcast, but if he tells me that he's tired one more time from the comfort of his own personal hotel room, I may, um, <laughs> So that's where I'm coming from. So yeah, it has been a hellish two weeks. I'm both proud for surviving it. Um, but two, I'm realizing I don't want to have to do this again. So I'm, I'm reevaluating how to, um, how to make things work a little bit better, but that's where I'm at. What about you, Danielle? Well, I don't, first of all, I don't know that you can avoid any of that stuff, right? Like there's not like a magic wand or a system that you can put in place to avoid life, right? 
And that's sort of what some of the challenges that you've been dealing with fall, category they fall into, right? Just regular life, your kid. I mean, COVID life, we didn't used to have this world. You could send your kids to school sick and everything was fine. Yeah. Now, now <laughs> we have to keep these kids home and, and quarantine. So thankfully my husband's been exposed and had to quarantine, but I sent him to a hotel and told him to stay in his room for the entire week. So, um, we haven't had to deal knock on wood. We haven't had to deal with like a exposure and quarantine in our own home with our kids, which I think would be awful, uh, because I just can't imagine having to just, I, I mean, I can't imagine we, we did have our kids home 24 seven at the beginning of COVID, but now that they're back in school, I've gotten used to that again. And I don't really want to go back in time. So I'm just praying. I, I, you think about it every day, right? Like, I hope there's not an exposure because I can't, I need my kids to go to school so I can get work done. Um, we actually had an exposure on our older son's hockey team. One of the kids had it, has oh, it. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't know. So he was last around, they had a practice on Monday, today's Friday, yesterday, they told us. So, I mean, it's not like we had to quarantine because it had already been almost five days. We tested him and he tested negative. So, um, I don't know. We're going with it, but yeah, Declan was tested twice and he actually gets tested every Monday at school at his preschool. They test students. Oh, and so we already cool. knew, um, but based on his Monday test, it was negative when we picked him up on Tuesday, but then we brought him to the doctors again later in the week, just to do our due diligence, um, in, on behalf of the rest of the class. But you're right. It, you know, my mindset is always to go to like, what can I change and what can I do differently? But that this is the new normal, unfortunately. And it is so scary. When I brought him back to school on Tuesday, I thought this could happen again next week and he could be home the whole month of October. Like we have no, um, no. we have no control over it. Um, but you've had quite the week too. Your husband's been traveling. Yeah. He only traveled one night. So I'm lucky he's been really good. He was actually supposed to go to a client event at the Eagles game last weekend. And I told him that I needed him to stay home. I was like, I just can't, I can't, you can't be gone for two nights. I like on the weekend, right. When I have no help. And so he stayed home thankfully, which I really appreciated. Um, but then this week he had to go to New York for one night, which is not super far and it's a pretty easy trip. So it wasn't too bad. Um, but more just on, uh, what I call my job that pays me <laughs> Other people might call it my real job um, because I still do my side hustle as a side hustle and uh, just clients thinking every person I talk to, right? My job's in sales. The first thing I do with any new prospective client is have a discovery call where we talk about some of the problems that they're having and how the solution I sell may fix them. And everyone this week just thought they were super unique. You know, they're like, my problems are very unique. The way that we do things are very unique. I'm like, they're not unique. Right. And the only two business strategies that exist, right. Let's just get this out there are differentiation or low cost. So you are either Walmart or your target, right? Like Walmart has the lowest price. People go to Walmart because they know they're going to get the lowest price possible. People go to Target because they think it's better than Walmart and it offers them something 
whether that's emotional or actual different experience. It's a very different experience and they pay a premium for that experience, right? They may need Cheez-Its because that's their kid's favorite snack. And they're not going to make, they're going to make that decision. They're going to say, do I want to go to Target and have that experience of being able to walk around and maybe seeing something I like that's a sweater or whatever, or am I going to go to Walmart and make the lowest price or get the lowest price? So like, those are the only two business strategies that exist. And, um, in every business, most businesses choose differentiation, right. And then they build a brand or marketing that, that supports that strategy. And then there's like how you do things internally, right. The operations of your business, you either put systems in place to manage those efficiently, or you don't, right. So like, you're not unique if you don't everyone who is coming to me has the same problem that they don't have a system in place to manage what it is that I help with. And so it's just so funny to me that everyone thinks that the way they do things is completely different and that they have different problems than everyone else because everyone has the same problems. And then on top of that, there's been like customers I've already sold to who have been reaching out to me to ask me questions and like just wanting things right now. Like, you know, I didn't get back to somebody and she emailed me and my boss this morning saying, um, please give me an update. So I know that I don't need to respond. And I'm like, or you could just like chill for 24 hours and like, trust that I have, that I'm working on it. Right. And not like, when did we get to a point where if I, if you haven't heard from somebody immediately, you respond again, asking for what you want, right? Like just chill. Everyone has a lot on their plate speaking, you know, and that speaks to like what you, your life stuff. I didn't have life stuff that happened, but I'm busy with work and people just cannot want things immediately. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's like not. Yeah, it's a societal thing and it's not just in work life. It's in personal too, but I completely agree. And I just want to back up to something that you were saying about like, clients thinking they're special. Cause I think to your point, this is applicable to our businesses. So exactly what Danielle said, when I'm doing brand strategy with my clients, I sit down and I walk through what their clients pain points are. So we always start with like who the competition is and what alternatives they have. Cause sometimes alternatives aren't direct competition, but they're indirect competition. And then we dive into, well, what is your customers or clients pain points? And they're always the same. The pain point is you don't have the client or the customer doesn't have enough time. They don't have enough money or they don't know how to do something. That is always the the way that they manifest is slightly different. And the way we message to them is different. But at the end of the day, any client or customer is working off of the same emotional pulls and any purchase decision is an emotional decision, whether or not people, even if it's B2B, it's still emotional to some extent, because it goes back to the pain points that they have. So everyone is experiencing the same lack of time, the same pressures. Um, yes, it may manifest in their life or in their, their business differently, but I think that that's really empowering because when I work with my clients, I'm, and they have a problem and they're not sure how to fix it. I always say, well, step back and what would you do? how would you want to be communicated to you? How would you find this information? They'd be like, well, but I'm talking to my customers. And I'm like, yeah, but we're all humans. We're all humans. We all exist under the same circumstances. 
um, to some degree. And we all have to navigate life in a similar way. We all have the, you know, and so I think that it's really important for people to realize that like, well, one, you're not alone. And so if you feel like your life is a shit show right now, know that you're not special. Unfortunately, everyone's is. <laughs> I always then, say you're in good company. Yeah. You're in good company. You're right. You're in good company. But then two is, you know, think about leverage that and think about that in respect to your customers and your clients, because everything you're going through, they are too. And that allows you to be more empathetic and more understanding and speak to them better. Um, so that's my note on that part, but going back to what you said about everybody wanting an answer right away. It's funny because my husband is in a new role in his consulting business that he works for, and it's more client-based than he's ever in than any other capacity he's worked. And he's now understanding Mm -hmm. my life in client service for the last 14, 15 years. And we talk about it. And even though he does a different type of consulting than what I have done my entire career, it's the same exact patterns and habits and antsy clients or angry clients, or they want an answer, but then they change direction. And I just think that people need to realize that there is a human element to business too, and that you need to think about the people on the other end. Um, Cause I'm seeing this everywhere, every business, everybody's personal life. It's just go, 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 go. You, we can't, we all can't keep up enough fast enough. And I just right. don't like it. Right. And I think like, I- I've said this before on the podcast, but whenever I see somebody who, and maybe I should think about this, about this client now that I say this out loud, but when she doesn't receive an answer for 24 hours, what I would love to, for her to, her and you know anyone in the situation to assume is that I'm doing the best that I can, right? That there may be reasons why I haven't responded, but trust that I'm going to get back to you, right? And from my side of, from my side, um, it's, I need to realize that maybe she is putting her anger on me because she's getting a lot of pressure at where she's working and is trying to get something done. So, you know, it's not that I think that sh- that that woman or anyone who's in her position, like the problem is bigger, right? Than this one person. The problem is that the people that, well, it could be her, that's, sh- that's just a, not a nice person, right? Or it could be that like the culture of her organization is immediacy and that's, a bigger problem that she can't fix. Right. So I don't know. I mean, it's just something in our society that I thought COVID was going to fix or like be a a positive byproduct of COVID because I think for a while there we were giving people grace. And now I feel like that's completely over. It's, it's like, go, go, go. I need this now. And, and I think, and I think that stems from there being a lot of economic pressure on companies post COVID, right? They're, they're trying to get back. If the, if COVID wasn't a boom for them, they're trying to get back to where they need to be. And if COVID was a boom to them and completely transform their business, they're trying to ride that wave and, and bring in even more revenue. So mm-hmm. it's just everyone I feel is under a lot of pressure. Yeah. And it, this brings up a really good question that I think a lot of our listeners can 
relate to because so many people are in service-based businesses is, is it your job to make your client happy or is it your job to do good work? Oftentimes those are conflicting because clients think they know what they want and they need and when they need it. But really in order for you to do the best work that you can and actually deliver a solution, it takes more time or it takes different resources or it takes a different approach. I get caught up on that sometimes, but one quote that or one saying that a coworker, my friend, Jamie, um, who I worked with at Cygnus in-house agency said to me, and this like clicked. And this was after like 13 years of working in agency. She said, our job is not client service. Our job is client management. We manage their expectations. We're not here to serve them. We're here to manage their expectations and deliver a solution. And that is different. And I think that that's really important for people to keep in mind, especially when you're in the early stages of building your business. It's so easy to get a client and be like, sure, I'll do whatever. Or they want to, for example, I just had a new client sign on and they had me um, sign on to Slack. And at first I thought it was just their small team. And then I can just slack and I'm like, oh, it's all these like former alumni and students. And, and I'm thinking, wait a second, this is not the best use of my time. It's not the best use of their money. I have a system. I have a process. We're going to use my system and process because that's going to get them the results that they need most efficiently. Oftentimes clients ask you to do something just because they're used to it. They don't even realize it may not make sense. And so mm-hmm. it's really important for you to have those systems and processes in place and feel confident in enforcing them so that you can do good work. Even when you get those clients who may be either not realizing that they're doing it, but kind of steering you in a different direction or those that are just kind of more difficult to work with, like you and I have both experienced. So I think that's important to keep in mind. This happens in sales a lot. So when, when you, some people know how to buy software, right? Other people need to be taught how to buy. And, and when you're at the end of a quarter where there's a lot of pressure to like bring in a deal, you may cut corners, right? You may do just what the client wants because it's the path of least resistance. And you know what's going to happen? That person's going to come back around. And because you skipped a step, there's going to be an issue in implementation in in the post-sale process. And it's going to come back on you. And so sometimes that's a really frustrating part of sales because there's a lot of pressure on a sales rep to get a deal done fast. And unfortunately, sometimes like managing expectations takes longer than just doing what the client wants you to do. And, and that's, I think something like rookie salespeople make that mistake. They, they just do whatever the client wants. They're like, you know what? Oh, you want, you want another demo? You want me to fill out this questionnaire for you? You want to do this? They just do everything the client wants. And then the client, you haven't done anything to help the client get to a different place. And, and so the client may buy, but they're not going to be well prepared for bringing that tool in-house because they didn't do the steps that needed to get done. You just did what they wanted you to do. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's something that often happens in sales and is like a huge issue. And, and this, this particular case that I'm talking about, it is that situation where I was off for two weeks. Other people were, were managing my deals, skip, steps were skipped, process wasn't followed. And now this person wants something post-sale that like we, it should have been taken care of pre-sale. So mm-hmm. 
And all I want to say is I'm right. I know just do everything the way I say to do it and everything will be fine. So this is actually bringing up, um, segueing into something I didn't think I would bring up, but it's timely. So I'm in the process of hiring another, a second contractor for a new client that is going to be helping me long-term. So that agency team is building out and I'm in by second contractor, I mean, in addition to the, the one that I already have. And, um, I'm trying to put like systems and processes in place because I've been working as I'm building up this model. I have a tendency to be like, well, I'll just do it. And then I'll give them this little executional piece. And it's like, no, in order to continue to grow, I need to give up control on projects and things. Um, When you are in a situation where team members have to take over work for you with clients, how do you handle that? Because like, obviously you're not happy with the outcome that happened recently, but it's, it's hard. Like you have to give up that control. And some of that means you have to give up the way it's done. Like done is better than perfect or done is better than your way. And I'm finding that's really hard when you run your own business because you feel like it all comes back to you. Just like you being the salesperson, it all comes back to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a good question. I'm thinking about it. So in advance, I give a plan to whomever is taking over the work, right? And it's usually in the form of a spreadsheet. And it's like, here are the things that have been done already. Here's what needs to happen next. And then I give it up. In some cases, it works out. But in, and I would say it's 50-50. And 50% of the cases, I have to fix it. But If that's true, right, if those percentages are true or accurate, then I've still given up 50% of the work that I didn't have to do, right? So I guess what I'm saying to you is if you have to give up, a pro- give over a project and 50% of it gets done the way you, you would do it, then, and you have to fix 50% of it, that's still 50% of the work that you didn't do and you got back that time to work on something else more strategic. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just the way you've got to think about it. Yeah. Um, I'm doing like, I hate the term standard operating procedures because that seems so formal and like cold. And You mean and SOPs? Yeah. SOPs, <laughs> we love our acronyms. Um, but I am putting together just some documentation on like expectations and processes, both to protect my contractor's time and sanity, and then also protect my client's investment. Um, But the other thing that I am learning for anyone who's in the process of or thinking about growing their business and growing their team is I would say start slow because something that is interesting is in the last, let's say four to five months that I've had a lot of new retainer clients come on, I've learned something from every single client on what I want to do differently and what is not working. And I'm realizing that I like, you can't, I already knew this, but you can't build the plane at the same time you're flying it. And so going slow is okay, um, especially if you're new and you're early on, because each time you go through the process of onboarding a new client, onboarding new team members, getting in a rhythm, like that is just setting you up for success for the next. So I'm personally keep reminding myself like, yes, I'm building up this agency model. It doesn't mean by tomorrow I need to have 10 new clients. It means I need to have successfully onboarded and begun execution for this one client. And then I can scale that to somebody else. Um, And so for anyone 
out there, I'm reminding myself, so it might be helpful for you too. Like you don't have to have it all built overnight, like go slow. And eventually you look back in six months and be like, holy crap. Like, I can't believe that all of that just happened. So. Yeah. And I, the reason I was saying like bringing up the like not special thing, just to like think about that in respect to somebody who's starting a business, right? Um, your, your strategy is likely going to be differentiation. And although it doesn't have to be, you could create a program and charge $2 for it and try a volume play, right? Try to get as many people as you could. Um, so you don't have to pick that strategy, but most likely you will. And one of the things I've been struggling with in my business is like seeing all these courses, having, you know, ADD, a strategy ADD and being like, or it sh- I should call it tactic ADD, right? Mm-hmm. Like what tactics am I going to? And I've, and I've gotten like different advice, right? Like one advice I got from a membership was, you know, go to your competitors' Instagrams. So, and go to their followers, right? Because those people are already interested in the content that you're providing and watch their stories, right? Go through the list, see who has stories, which means that they're public and respond to their stories. Just like start a conversation, not about your services or anything, just like the idea is to get them to your website to try to see who you are. So that's one strategy, right? Then there's like Gary V dollar 80 strategy, which is, you know, picking 10 hashtags and commenting eight times on those different hashtags. That's a strategy. It's taking you to the same place. It's, or a tactic. I, I keep using those words interchangeably, but it is a tactic, right? And it's, it's giving, it's trying to give you the same result for people to go to your website and see who you are. And it's just so interesting to me. I, I, I think I've felt like, oh, there's going to be one that works, right? And I think this is where consistency comes in. I was just going to say that, yeah. And so like for a long time, I've been like, well, I just have to find the one that's right for my business. And it's, it clicked yesterday. I don't know what I was listening to a podcast and I don't even think it was about this, but it just clicked. I was like, Oh my God, I need to just like pick one of these and do it consistently. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work over three months, that's fine. I can switch to the other one, but the only way I'm going to know is, is to just do one of them consistently and stop researching them, right? Like stop like educating myself on all the different ways I could do this and just do it. Well, and then the other thing is something I ask my clients always, um, when we get to their marketing strategy and we build out a plan to your point, we try to focus on like two to three channels and tactics that we're going to go hard on and be consistent in. But the question I always ask is once I present those tactics, I say, how does that feel? Because it's really hard to be consistent if you do a strategy or if you do tactics because someone tells you to do them, but it doesn't feel good. If it doesn't feel good to you, you're not going to be consistent and you're not going to be authentic. Right. It's not going to work as well. So my recommendation to you and anyone listening is if you're trying to, if you're looking at three different things you could do, but you really only have time for one. And let's be honest, most of us only have time for one. I haven't even really been on social media because my business has been from referrals. That's all I have time for. Then when you have that one thing you can be doing look at your options and say, which one feels better? 
Cause you're going to be much more right. excited. You're going to be much more effective and you're more likely to stay consistent. So which one feels better? Choose that. Yep. And also Absolutely. your intuition usually leads you in the right place. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I actually felt, you know, what's interesting though, to devil's advocate that I do not like the idea of story replies. Cause I feel like it's a little intrusive. It's like, I agree. I'm watching your story. I'm like, I don't know you I'm responding, but think about this. If you were to create a story, right. And somebody that you didn't know commented on it. Don't you think you'd be like, Oh my gosh, somebody's looking at what I'm doing. That's amazing. At first, when I <laughs> see that name pop up in my, in my um, DMS, I'm like, Oh, but then I open it and I'm like, I can see what you're doing. What I hate is when I can be like, Oh, okay. I look at their like, uh, profile on Instagram. And I'm like, Oh, you're a business coach for female entrepreneurs. I'm sorry. I don't need a new business coach right now. So I think it can work. Um, yeah. for, for certain people, for me, it's just a strategy that I've never liked also, because personally I'm like, it's so time consuming. I don't want to be on there scrolling, but then for other people, that's the primary way that they drum up business, especially if they're service-based. So again, I think it goes back to like what feels good, but to right. your point, yes, everyone likes to feel loved. And by you giving someone attention, they feel noticed and it automatically gives them a boost. So I'm not saying that that's a negative. I'm just saying that from a business strategy, I know that's one that doesn't feel good to me personally. Yeah. It doesn't feel super good to me either. I actually love the $80 strategy and there used to be a software or there still is a soft piece of software called $80 that was like $15 a month. And they, and the whole idea was that you could put your hashtags in and it would queue up the most recent posts and you could just comment on them one by one. So it made it super easy, which I actually loved because people would make like a recipe, like quick and easy recipe, quick and easy meals is a hashtag that is something I follow closely yeah. and people would make stuff and I could genuinely be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to make this. And sometimes I would, and I'd get back to them and be like, oh, I made that last night. It was awesome. But my point is I liked that a lot better. And for some reason, the soft that that software company changed their strategy, which I find so interesting because their whole, like one day I just logged in and you couldn't do that anymore. And I was like, isn't that the whole like hmm. name and point of your software? And they were like, we're pivoting, please stay a customer. Like we promise that what's coming is going to be just as good. And I'm like, no, like that's not like the entire reason I used this software is now not, I'm not able to do. They were like, you can still track your, you can track your comments manually in the software to get data. And I was like, no, like, I don't need to do that. I don't care that much. If I hit 30 or I hit 22, like it's not, doesn't matter to me that much. Yeah. And, but I just find I was like so disappointed by that. So now I need to like come up with a different system for myself because that was like really easy and I liked it and now it doesn't exist anymore. So, well, that's another example of managing expectations. Like what's your current customer's journey? And like, they should have educated you and informed you and held your hand throughout that journey so that you were more likely to sign on to whatever was coming next. But they kind of didn't do that or they no. didn't do that at all. And so you're going to dump them. And so that's another lesson in business is yes. it's not just about you and you're not special. You wouldn't like it if a business did it to you. So you shouldn't do it to your customers. So. Yep. Yep. 
Um, all right. I feel like we should stop our rant there because I know I was going to say, do you have any fun weekend plans? People don't want to hear the next level of this rant. (laughs) Um, no, I do not have fun weekend plans. Hockey is canceled because of COVID because of the COVID case. And otherwise, no, not really. Actually, we're going to our neighbor's house tonight for like some outdoor wine. Oh, fun. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it will be. We have a a soccer scrimmage tomorrow, which by the way, watching three-year-olds run around with like pennies on, which by the way, I forgot that they're called pennies until I started, my son started soccer again. You know, the little like colored jersey. they're pennies. They're not pennies. Pennies. I don't know. Pennies. I don't know. Pen? Pennies? I thought they were pennies. Pennies. Well, I don't know. They call it pennies here in Connecticut. You're in Massachusetts. So I don't know what they call it. I don't know. But, um, if anybody who's listening knows Massachusetts, we'll settle that debate. But um, yeah. the funniest thing I've ever seen is watching three-year-olds try to play soccer. Um, but it's it's cute. I don't know if it's enjoyable for them, but it's cute. So we're doing that. And then I was telling Danielle, I was supposed to have a mom date on Sunday, but it got canceled because um, her little guy has RSV, which is not fun. And I'm hoping he feels better. So um, I'm going to use that time for some outside fall time. So yeah. So I hope all of our listeners are having a good week and have a nice weekend. I mean, it'll be past the weekend by the time you listen to this, but you know, you get the picture. Hope you're enjoying fall. <laughs> have a good next weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and we'll, we'll be back uh, next week with an interview. So yes. we're excited to share that with you guys. Can't wait. We've got a lot of great guests coming up between now yes. and like, Christmas. I think we're fully booked. So yeah. um, lots to come. And if you have any requests, as always, just let us know on social and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more information from today's chat, including how to reach us, head on over to the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the exciting episodes to come. And please, if you liked what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review. It's how we can help other busy moms find their better way. Until next time, mom friends.